Welcome to the London Business School podcast series, The Reality of Artificial Intelligence. How are businesses using AI today? I am Julian Birkinshaw, Professor of Strategy and Entrepreneurship at London Business School, and I'm the host of this series where we discuss the practical applications of AI in the workplace and in society. Today, we are putting the spotlight on customer service operations, such things as paying a bill, booking a flight, ordering a pizza, seeking a refund. These sort of operations employ large numbers of people, around 2.7 million in the US, around half a million people in the UK. And these jobs are apparently at risk. One study suggests at least 30% of what customer service agents do is susceptible to automation. Another survey says 80% of sales marketing leaders are using or planning to use AI-based technology in these activities. So how is AI being used? in customer service operations today? How will it be used in the future? And how will we as consumers respond to the increasing use of machines in these interactions? Joining me to discuss these issues are Leticia Kayato, conversational AI global lead for Accenture, a consulting company here in London, and Tolga Tezjan, a professor at London Business School and a leading expert on the use of AI in service operations. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. So let's start with some basics. I went online yesterday just to just to remind myself how this works. I was looking to upgrade my smartphone. I was immediately offered a chance to chat with a virtual agent, a chatbot. Tolga, what's what's going on there? What is happening, as it were, behind the scenes when I start writing text to a chatbot? Uh, great question, Julian. I mean, let me start with the, giving a little bit of historical perspective into technologies which enables us to do that nowadays. So the starting point is basic statistics. For example, linear regression, where if I give you a bunch of numbers, you can predict what's going to happen in the future. For example, if you have customer specifics, then I can predict whether you're going to pay your credit card or not next month. So we're very good at that. I mean, we've been very good at that for a while. Uh, the next thing that came along was how to understand language. And it's somewhat easier to understand text as opposed to speech. So that was the next thing. From text, can we make out what a person is saying? And there are two dimensions to it. First, converting text to numerical data for which we have statistical tools to analyze. The second thing that come from more from linguistics to understand the context. A good example is if somebody says white walkers, it could mean chips, or it could mean something completely different. So you have to be aware of the context. But chatbots today, what they do is when you enter some information or a question, they convert it to something that we can analyze. And based on historic information we have that is related to related questions came from similar customers or things that we know that might come from customers, we try to associate your question to those we have in our database, and then we try to answer your question based on the answers. So essentially, I type in, I want an upgrade or new phone, and very easily the computer figures out what sort of thing I'm looking for, and it'll it'll offer me some options in terms of, of the type of phone I want, or have I, has my warranty, my service period ended, or whatever. And then I'm starting to get into a conversation with this chatbot. And is there a human involved at this stage, typically? Or is this all just a computer talking to me via text? Not, not at that stage. I mean, in, in the initial stages, it's all about computers. So the whole design of this AI a component is obviously enabled by human work. I mean, as I said, we look at past data, we look at potential questions that come up, we look at the expertise, and then we program the computer to answer those questions. The computers are also programmed 
or the chatbots are programmed in a way to escalate to a human being when they cannot find the right answer. So at some point, if my question is to become a little bit complicated, a human being gets involved. And would I know at that point that I'm no longer speaking to a computer? I mean, it's based on what the company wants to disclose. Um, one example I will give you, I had a problem with a delivery from Amazon. And I started chatting with a chatbot. And they actually informed me that it's a machine that I'm chatting with. But they couldn't resolve the problem. The chatbot couldn't resolve the problem. And it then told me it's going to escalate it to a human agent. Okay. So, and it's telling you that that is happening. And then at that point, obviously, it's still a human by text rather than a human in voice, right? It's I mean, most of the chat depends on the, the media, obviously. I mean, in this case, if you go to a website, it's most usually stuck to it. And then I can choose to say I want to pick up the phone and talk to a person. You could. I mean, again, it depends on the particular application. Probably Letitia has a lot more experience in this area than I do. So OK, so let's let's bring in Letitia. So you work a lot with companies in terms of implementing these sorts of solutions to help make their call centres, their contact centres more efficient and effective. Give us a flavour of what the current sort of State of the art is, in other words, you know, we've just talked about a very simple situation. What are some of the other ways that companies are using artificial intelligence to make these call centers work more effectively? So that's true that in the past couple of years, we've seen a massive increase in the uptake of the technology. And there's different type of scenarios. I think one of some of the more advanced ones are using voice AI. Uh, so directly from a phone call from the customer, you know, understanding what the customer wants and actually being able to deal with it in a, in a voice call. I think the one of the key advantage of this channel is you don't change your habits. You know, you still kind of pick up the phone, get the answers and, and get through that. So can I just play that one out? So I've got, you know, bad memories of screaming down the phone at a rather unsophisticated piece of technology, trying to get it to understand basic instructions. Is that, you're saying essentially a version of that, but a more sophisticated version of that? Yeah, so voice AI is the next generation of uh, those automated voice assistants that used to be there before, because beforehand uh, those systems used to be very deterministic, where there was only one way or two ways of saying one particular command, and if you wouldn't come up with that particular way of saying it, then the, the, the system wouldn't understand you. Now with AI we have the ability of having a lot more training data in the background so we can actually understand many different ways of articulating the same challenge uh, and the system can so i can literally just talk to the machine i mean it feels a bit weird because i know i'm not talking to a human but i can talk to this machine in my normal way and there's a, there's a pretty good chance it's going to understand what i'm saying and then direct me to the right person to speak to. Or resolve your problem from the outset. I think one of the key advantages of some of those new technologies is very accessible. So I guess when you were talking about the website and the chat, you know, imagine your mother wouldn't be necessarily able to kind of, uh, you know, pull up the website and actually start a conversation there. But she would probably be perfectly fine, you know, calling, you know, the tax agency and, and have a conversation uh, through that. So the accessibility angle is actually quite massive. Yeah, and maybe we'll come back to that later because I think this issue about who is going to be using these technologies, is it going to be my mother or is it going to be my kids' generation, is, is an important one. Yeah, just one point I want to add to Letitia's point. I mean, we don't expect AI to replace all calls or all agents. I mean, it's going to slowly take over things and it's going to slowly become more and more sophisticated, such as the calls. I mean, 
it, there might be calls that are very standard that AI can handle. But at the end of the day, AI at this point is not as smart as a human being. And there are exceptional situations where it has to escalate it to a human agent. I would agree with that very much. You know, when we put AI system in place, that being text bot or voice bot, there's always a human in the loop just for escalation, but also for some of the most sensitive conversation that can't really be kind of dealt with by an AI system. So that collaboration in between the human and the machine is absolutely essential in the success and the popularity of your service. Because if you don't do that, very often people, you know, try and don't like it and they wouldn't even use it. So then there's actually no real point in putting it in place. So very, very essential that this is kind of happening. And and just one more question on this area before we move to some of the more future or interapplications. You were saying before we, we went on air that the person working in the call centre, there's also some technology which is essentially making their lives easier in terms of anticipating things. Do you want to say a bit more yeah. about that? So we have a number of uh, very large-scale implementation of uh, voice deflection, you know, to chat or chatbot in the telco industry, primarily the telecommunication industry, like, you know, upgrade right. your mobile phone is definitely one of the key use cases everybody's gone after. And the key rationale for that is those are actually quite nice to do as a conversation rather than, you know, try to navigate and understand what's happening there. And when, um, when the bot doesn't understand we always do a very smooth transition with a human. So the uh, call center agent has then a console in the background that pulls all the customer information, what are the offers, potentially his propensity to churn. Is he going to leave the company or mm. not? So he enables the agent to have a bit of a summary of the conversation that happened and hold the data point to be able to make a good offer or resolve the problem much faster. I mean, yeah. there are historical precedent to this. I mean, the first thing is, uh, again, something we were talking uh, before we go on air, the interactive voice recognition system, which we call IVR, which is basically the computer when you call a company, company's call center that picks up the phone. So one of the things it enabled call centers was, even though they can't resolve your call or problem, they would take all the customer information automatically, which is very standard. And then when the call escalates or transferred to an agent, the agent will already have all that information without losing any time. So another thing that we see nowadays, especially with chat agents, they're actually capable of chatting with multiple agents because right. of the technology that enables them to automatically type in answers, standard answers, such as, hi, hello, how can I help you? I mean, they don't have to type this because they type the same thing to every agent. So again, going back to my earlier comment, I mean, it's not going to get rid of all the agents or all the agent work, but even cutting down handling times by 10, 20, 30% will be, uh, will be seen in the cost. Savings. So we've got chatbots, which are obviously text-based conversations with computers and then you know, humans for the more difficult things. We've got the computers listening to me speaking, for me, the next stage is, of course, the, the computer itself speaking. I mean, you know, it's obviously we, we all have now Alexa and Siri sitting in our kitchens or on our handsets. And we do understand this notion that that is a sort of a very, very stylized, simple conversation. Are we seeing those computer-based conversations actually being rolled out in the real world in customer service operations? Do we have any examples of those? I think we have a few attempts of uh, starting to offer services on Alexa and Google Home. So we have a, a few customers trying to do that. Typically, it's more like Q&A, you know, frequently asked questions and things like right. that. 
I think there's very few people that moved into authenticated type of use cases where you need to pull up you know, details. But this is definitely coming as the rollout of those technologies is happening in Europe. You know, in the US, they've had those technology for much longer. And some mm. of the use cases they play there is, are more sophisticated. So I, I've seen examples where somebody will book a restaurant, you know, with a computer which is speaking to them. And as long as it's a simple conversation, the computer is quite capable of doing that. It does seem likely that, that that is indeed the next wave. Whether we're completely comfortable with that as individuals, I guess we'll come back to in a, in a second. Let's just now look a bit further into the future in terms of some of the other ways of using AI in these conversations. Leticia, you mentioned voice biometrics just before we went on there. What, what does that mean, voice biometrics? It's basically being authenticated as a user or recognized as a user based on your voice print. So there's two different type of technology. I don't know, depending on which bank you you are in in the UK, there's a few offering that. You can say a particular sentence like my voice is my password, or you can be having a conversation, speech-free conversation, and as you speak, the technology would understand you are this particular user and would authenticate you in the background. We definitely have live implementation in the UK of both kind of technology. The speech-free one we developed in, in, for a private bank when typically, you know, iNetworth customer don't necessarily go through the same authentication as the uh, most exactly. common of us. Yeah. So they pick up the phone, uh, but it's always a bit tricky because of the personal relationship to challenge the personal identity. So having some of those technology happening in the background is helping for detection, for instance. Mm-hmm. And on that particular system we did put in place, we actually caught a couple of fraudsters on the first week of running, wow. which actually kind of... A so you were able to catch fraudsters because you could tell that their, their voices weren't the voices that they claimed to be. Exactly. Huh. No, very, very cool. And, and I've read about the possibility of of using AI to, you know, to detect fraud, not in terms of voice biometrics, but in terms of, of actually some of the, the broader ways that somebody's talking. Is that, is that right? So there's a few companies starting to look at uh, at that kind of dimension. So, so it's it's, tapping it's, into emotions and feelings or behaviours, you know, like how fast you're speaking, right. or how fast you're typing, or your patterns of behaviours right. as an individual's you know, can be kind of match against, you know, a pattern of the one person using the service. And then you could have alert depending on some of that mismatch. So it's definitely coming. Saying that it's it's, it's fully mature uh, yet is, is, is probably yeah. a big word, but I think it's definitely coming and there's definitely a number of people starting. And let's now talk about some of the um, challenges of implementing these things. And I want to talk a bit about the consequences for, for companies. You know, there's a technological challenge here in terms of the quality of voice recognition software and so forth. There's also a sort of a social challenge here in terms of the extent to which we as individual users are comfortable. Where are the biggest challenges in the further rollout of artificial intelligence in making customer service operations more effective? Do we have are the technological challenges greater or are the sort of sort of almost like the social challenges greater? What are your thoughts on on that? I think there's a huge divide in society at the moment, you know, of people that have been 
excluded from digital transformation over the number of years. Uh, you know, people that are maybe less educated, don't have email address, don't really use internet that much, or older generation, which didn't really embrace any of those waves. So I think for a brand to start offering, you know, those voice services and all of that, I think it can have a very inclusive aspect. In the same way, you know, offering things on a website is also including people that are blind and, you know, like a number of people with disability. So I think it'll have an inclusive angle. Then when you look at the Google, the Alexa, you know, even if they are, you know, the price is coming down, they're still having, you know, a bit of a cost for people to invest. So it's a bit of more middle class type of uh, technology to have at home. So I think it will solve some of the challenges, but it will create new ones I mean, at we the are, same time. Yeah. Obviously, as you said, we are starting to get used to the idea of speaking to a box in the middle of our kitchen table, just like we had to get used to the idea that a call centre was actually very often, you know, outsourced to a, another country and, and it was somebody who didn't necessarily, you know, relate to us as, as easily as, as they might. So I, I guess we're adapting with the technology. Any, yeah, any yeah, I mean, I think, uh, again, looking into the future, I, I usually look at past. Indeed, and, yeah. I mean, if you look at the way we communicate 20 years ago, 30 years ago. We didn't even have cell phone. And then cell phones came in, so you could communicate with anybody anywhere. And then, I mean, in the last 10 years or so, the number of calls I made, as opposed to the number of text, that text right. messages that I sent, I mean, decreased uh, precipitously. So I think we'll see the same things in customer service. I expect more customer service over WhatsApp or mm. text messages as opposed to calls. And I think culture will just, you know, will change automatically with time, although the, the challenges that Tisha mentioned will persist for quite a while. But, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, everybody will be comfortable enough using websites and right. and, and, of course, there's huge amounts of experimentation going on in terms of some of these new new ways, and and we will gradually you know, migrate towards them. I, I, I mean, so. one of the important points of AI uh, that we need to understand, I mean, the, the best example for this is self-driving cars. Right. For AI to work, especially a complicated environment like language, we need a lot of data. Right. So for a company to implement a call center, a virtual call center or, or a virtual assistant or voicepad or a chatbot, all those starting points might be quite simple. To solve very complicated issues, you need a lot of data. Good. So let's switch over then to the, the corporate challenge here, which is, you know, I'm running huge numbers of call centres in various different parts of the world. I've often outsourced significant chunks of this. Technology is offering me a, a solution which is going to take a lot of my costs out. I think, Leticia, you mentioned, I think, 30% as a sort of rule of thumb that you can take a customer service operation and, and take out roughly 30% of the costs through using technology. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's uh, that's something we have proven now at a number of clients, and that's something we feel rather comfortable with. Yeah. And as, as, as you were saying before, it's a mix of, you know, chat technology, uh, WhatsApp, you know, there's a number of different channels you can use, technology channels, to divert some of uh, that cost away and automation. And one thing, it's one thing to save money, 
of course, it's another thing to actually provide a good service, right? So, you know, I, you tell me how this works without revealing any specific company names, but I do sometimes worry that customer service operations, we're very good at managing the, the cost side of it, but perhaps not so good at the quality or service piece. Well, that's a very interesting topic, actually, because we realize when we work with our client that some of their scripts, because typically a customer care agent has a script, yeah, they are quite old-fashioned and they're very inward focus, company focus on their processes. Where now, you know, where we're moving to more to human-centered kind of society, just the benefit of rewriting those scripts and thinking about the end customer or different segment is having a lot of value in the experience. Mm-hmm. And when this is done well, actually the customer satisfaction is improving quite massively. So that's the first angle, kind of rewriting you know, right. those experience, more thinking about the end user rather than being thinking about the upgrade process. Right. Yeah, Indeed. I think there's the other dimension of automation. Obviously, when you automate some of those things, you're going to start creating some things that were maybe manual behind the scene in an automated way and you'll gain a lot of time doing that and that's where your average handling time is going to reduce Mm. massively because you you know this is just kicked off in the background on coming back very fast rather than somebody typing in many systems and things like that. And, you know, the agent assistance with those profiles coming up is actually helping the customer service. So when it is done with the right level of care, the care transformation is actually much more powerful than, um, than in the past. Good. One of the things I, I want to add to this, uh, based on my experience, I mean, not only AI or machine learning enables you to automate some of these processes, it also enables you to improve the existing processes as well. Let me give you an example. So back in the day, I was working with this call center. One of the challenges we had was we didn't know if a customer after a call was leaving happy or not. Right. How do you even decide? And I mean, the typical way is you select a random number of, of customers, then ask them to complete a survey. But the, the uptake is very small. Mm-hmm. So what we did was uh, we had this technology which converted all the conversations to text. And we use a very simple machine learning algorithm to check if this call was a good call or a bad call, okay. which was much better than relying on survey results. Okay, so we can use the technology indeed just in, to, in many to different almost ways. like to prove the quality of the exactly. service we're offering. We must close in a minute, but clearly jobs are going to be lost. I mean, if you're saving 30% of the costs, it stands to reason that if there's half a million people in call centres in the UK right now, there are going to be fewer in the future. Thoughts on, on that? I mean, are we seeing an inexorable decrease in, in the number of people doing these types of jobs? What are they going to be doing in the future? I, I think there are two dimensions uh, to look at this, Julian. I mean, first, from a company point of view, if you're not going to do it, your competitor will do it and will cut the cost and the prices so you won't be able to compete. So everybody will lose their job eventually. From a societal point of view, what AI can automate are those jobs that are kind of repetitive. They're not the most fun jobs out there. So, of course, as a society, we need to reskill these person to people, retool these people. But, of course, I mean, I think some people will be doing these well, jobs. Well, and indeed, there's always going to be a dislocation. And you touched on this earlier. Through history, technology has had this impact on the world of work. Any thoughts on that, Leticia? 
Yeah, I wanted to add on this. I think what we also see is companies have not taken care of their knowledge forever, all their content, you know, like, so on their website, internal website, they'll have some PDF, some Word document, people would use different kind of document on the front line and things like that. And I think in the short term, I think there's a lot of value into reskilling some of those people to be knowledge engineer. So rather than answering the call on solving the mundane task that can be done by the robot, they can think about uh, actually what is the answer to that question and how do we modelize it in the system, you know, as the kind of automation is ramping up. We have had clients where we were trying to build a bot and actually most of the work is not about building the bot, <laughs> it's trying to find the answer to the question because, you know, right. even the client himself, they had so many departments having their hands in the pie, they didn't know the answer to the question themselves, it was taking us forever trying to work out. So that cleansing of enterprise knowledge is needed to go further in the automation. So I think in the short term, having knowledge engineer or, or kind of using mm. some of those people to help out is quite key. So in terms of one of the benefits of of investing in the technology, it does force you to confront these these more fundamental questions about what the enterprise's knowledge is and how best to... How best to serve your customers? Yeah, and there's even, meaning even pushing it further. You know, on some of the processes, they're documented, maybe sometime you know duplicated or not uh, in date. But a lot of the uh, company practices are in people's head, mm. so that's where you know starting to put new system or capture some of that knowledge. And when you start kind of doing those kind of transformation program, you realize that actually all of that nobody knows. <laughs> it's well, actually, yeah. you know, that person based on the experience that they, they just do those things that way. But it's not necessarily consistent and all of that kind of thing. Good. Look, I'm afraid we have to leave it there. We are out of time. Thank you, Leticia and Tolga, for a fascinating conversation. Thank you for having us. You're most welcome. Please join us again listeners for more in our podcast series the reality of artificial intelligence available on london.edu